4, verse 31 through 37, then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. This is Jesus. Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit, and he cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Uh, a few things I want to point out. First, last week we, we covered quite a bit of material, and, um, so, but we've covered this passage that Jesus shared from Isaiah chapter 61, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we talked about how last week this is going to be essentially a purpose statement or a thesis for the rest of the gospel that Luke is going to prove. He's setting out from this point forward to prove and show and exemplify that this was how Jesus lived his life. And so we're going to jump right into the evidence of that, which is what we're jumping into today. And in fact, over the next several chapters of Luke, we're going to see how Jesus was living out and fulfilling these words that he shared here about himself, that the Lord is on him to, uh, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And as we get throughout the rest of chapter 4 and, the, and throughout chapter 5, we're going to see that people are going to want to hold him where he is, keep him where he is, so that, that he can minister there longer. But he's going to resist because he needs to continue to go and preach the good news and share the good news to, to other areas. He has a mission, and he's not going to allow those who don't understand his mission to keep him off of that mission. And so we're going to start to see throughout the next several chapters how Jesus did, in fact, exemplify the words that he said he was going to live out that were, that were prophesied about him many years in advance. But we're also going to start to, to see something change today and throughout the next uh, several chapters as, as we've been talking about the person of Jesus up until now. We've been trying to establish who he is. We started all the way back at the prophecy about his birth, his birth, and then the, the stuff that happened at the synagogue and his baptism and all of that has been focused on the person of Jesus, who is Jesus. But now we're going to start to turn a corner and look at the power of Jesus and how Jesus has power and dominion over everything on this planet as, we, as we're going to discover, and you're going to see him live that out in a lot of different ways. And the first example of that is what we're talking about today, where he drives out this impure spirit. But it's important that we understand that Jesus is doing this because, one, he said he was going to do it, and two, it was his mission to do these things. This is why he was sent. He was sent to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
Last week we talked about different categories of people that were that Jesus would come and, and minister to, that, that the, the freedom for the prisoners may be, may be those who were in prison to the law, the recovery of sight to the blind. He would heal blind eyes, but he would also bring sight to those who were spiritually blind. And the oppressed would be set free, that maybe it was those who are oppressed by the law, but there are others who are oppressed by things that he is going to set free. And that is one of the first examples that we come to in this passage is that here is a man, here is someone who is oppressed by a demon, and Jesus set him free. I want to start at the beginning of this passage and just work through a couple of big ideas. We're going to start with the first word, then. Then he went down to Capernaum, a, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. Then, then after this stuff had happened, but we're going to see that, that Jesus has, has a, a timing that he's operating under, and when it's time for him to move on, when it's time for him to go to the next city, he's going to go. He's not going to stand back and wait. And so then he went down to Capernaum. It's an important point. It's an important, an important word that, that he went here because he needed to go here. And I think we can learn from Jesus' life that when we when we follow God's timing, when God leads us to do something, when he prompts us to do something, and now we have the gift of the Holy Spirit for those of us who are believers and have put their faith in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit that lives in you, that dwells in you, and now that Spirit is going to prompt you to do things, to minister, to care, and to serve, and when God prompts us to do things, it will be the right time. It will be his timing to do it, and we need to be faithful just as Jesus was faithful to the timing. But we're also going to see that, that it's not just the timing, but that Jesus would follow God's way. Jesus would follow the path. Jesus would follow the call for his ministry. Jesus could have probably, if we were, if we were in Jesus' position, if, of course we weren't fully God and fully man, but when we were probably, we would be confronted with the, the, the things Jesus was confronted with, we would probably wrestle with that a little bit. You know, say, well, these people want to make me king. What's so bad about that? Why shouldn't I be a king? That sounds pretty good. But that was not the path. That was not God's way for Jesus, and so Jesus would be faithful not only to the timing, but to the way. And as we talked about last week, Jesus would also operate within God's power. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. And we talked about that, how we saw the Spirit come down like a dove on Jesus when he was baptized, and, and he returned to Galilee in the power of of the Spirit, and this is going to be an important part that, that we need to understand that, that, that what Jesus is doing is empowered by God's Spirit. The Spirit of God, the, the third member of the Trinity, is empowering Christ to act this way. It's important that we understand that because this is the Spirit that we are empowered with, and this life that, that, is, that has been empowered in Christ, this path and and, and the truth and everything that Jesus is living his life according to has been empowered by the Spirit, and so this is the life that we're called to, but we also have the power through the Spirit to live that life. So it's God's timing, God's 
way in God's power that Jesus was operating in. I also want to point out, because we talked about it a little bit last week, but this is a common theme with Jesus, says, then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. Remember we talked about that last week, that on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, verse 16. On the Sabbath day he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority, And then verse 33 tells us where he was. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. So Jesus, like it said in the the previous set of verses, it was his custom to go to the synagogues on the Sabbath day and to teach. He does it again in this context. In fact, this is where this miracle takes place. And I think it's important for us to, to, to make that a custom for us as followers of Jesus Christ, that, that we gather together with the body of Christ and that, that it doesn't just, that we don't just do it when it feels easy to do it and when we feel like doing it, but that it's actually a custom for us. It's, it's customary. We, this is just what we do on Sundays. We gather together in the presence of God and the presence of other believers. So Jesus is in the synagogue, and there's a man in the synagogue possessed by a demon, an impure spirit, which is interesting to think about, that they're in the synagogue, in the place where they taught Scripture, in the place where they worshiped God, there was a man possessed by a demon. I've been to a lot of church services, and so far, to my knowledge, I've never had the experience of having someone possessed by a demon in a church service. But maybe that says more about our churches than it does anything. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away, what do you want with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. In just a few short verses, Jesus is going to call his first disciples, and we're going to get our first picture at Peter, who's called Simon, and, and, and his call to follow Jesus. But we all know how, how Peter kind of lived his life. Peter, you know, he was the first one to say that you are the Christ, you know, the Messiah, the, the Son of the living God. You are the Son that we've been waiting for. And he was the first to make that proclamation, but then immediately following, he wanted to change the Messiah's mission and change what was supposed to be happening, and so Jesus had to rebuke him and say, get behind me, Satan. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, we watch them throughout a lot of the Scripture where they wrestle with this question, who is Jesus? Who is this man? He's he's probably a pretty good teacher, it seems like. He seems like a great guy. He heals a lot of people. He cares for a lot of people. Who is this man? But it's interesting that the only one the only entity to consistently get Jesus right, who Jesus was throughout the entire Gospels, the only ones who were consistent through the whole thing were the demons. The demons from beginning to end, here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, knew who Jesus was. And I think this is an important thing to note out because 
Luke is also tying us back into how Jesus has power over Satan. He has power over the evil forces of this world. And so he's made that connection back when Jesus was being tempted in the desert, and now he's making that connection here that Jesus has power over Satan. In fact, all of the demons know exactly who Jesus is. There is no question. This also should give credence to the idea of the prophecies and the teaching because they must have known before he showed up that Jesus was the Holy One of God. Verse 35, be quiet. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to Jesus. This is what Jesus said here. Jesus said sternly, come out of him. And then the demon threw the man down before them and it came out without injuring him. If you look at how the world portrays Jesus, it's kind of consistently portrayed in this good versus evil battle. That if you, that if you look, it's like Jesus is the good, Jesus represents the good, and then Satan and the devil, especially in some of the depictions of the, the tempting and the testing and the trials in the wilderness. It, it's as though it's like there's this battle going on between good and evil, and throughout all of Jesus' life, there's going to be this struggle of what, what's going to win? Is good going to win? Is evil going to win? And we see this theme throughout our entire culture today, especially in, in the plethora of movies that have come out with all of the, you know, the Marvel Avengers, the comic book characters. It's always good versus evil. There always seems to be the struggle. Will good win out? Will, will evil conquer the good? And while that might be a fun story and that might be a fun thing to think about when it comes to, to fiction and some of the things that, that we follow and watch and partake in, that is not a, a truth of Scripture. Is there good and evil? Yes. But Jesus makes it very clear here that there, there is no battle and there is no struggle. If there, was, if there was a battle, if there was a struggle, you would think there would have been maybe some, some back and forth that at some point in, in the conversation, in the dialogue, that Jesus would have had to pull out his lightsaber or some, some form of, of fighting weaponry to be able to win the day. But there is not any battle that takes place. It's simply they cry out, go away, what do you want to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I, don't, I, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus says, be quiet, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. It was really as, it was as simple as that. Jesus was the authority. Jesus was the power. Jesus was the one in control. And, and Jesus has total then authority and power over any evil and demonic force on this planet. And I think that's important for us to really maybe drill down on just a little bit and to think about because, because I think we, we sometimes live our lives as though there's, as though there's an if. We, we live our lives as though, as though okay, there's this, there's this bad in the world. There, there's this bad thing that, that is taking place in the world. And what if it becomes powerful enough? And I've spoken many times about how I used to live my life that way. I used to kind of live my life based on fear 
of what was going to happen, and that was kind of what was driving me to be the whole survivalist prepper kind of a thing, and was really into that for quite a while. I used to watch the shows on TV and read all the blogs and do all of that stuff, and some of that is still very interesting and fun to read, but I'm not driven by the fear of what if about it anymore. And I think it can be really easy for us to be consumed with fear and allow fear of the, of the, of the demonic, the, the devilish, the, the evil forces in the world around us to, to create a fear in us that should not exist in us because Scripture teaches us that Jesus has command over the evil forces of this world. Fear. Like fear is something that, 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 we, that we don't realize has a grip on us in so many different ways. Like we have, we have fears about, about our country, right? There, there's a lot, been a lot of talk of fear going on in, in the press over, over the last uh, week and a half or 10 days or so since the shooting down. There's a lot of fear-driven conversations. Actually, I read an article that, that might maybe put you at ease. It was an article that talked about, it was from a journalist that, that used, and she used the phrase that we're using fear-driven tactics to get clicks. Basically, they're trying to scare you to get you to click on their article to read it because the more clicks they get on their article, the more people read their article, the more money they make, the more money they make off the advertising, all the different views that are on their page, you know, so on and so forth. So, so if they can get you scared enough to want to read something, then, then they, they win, right? Because then they get the money, and that's the whole point, is so that they can make money. And this is kind of how the whole news cycle runs now. It's based on fear. And the reason is because fear triggers something in our brains that, that wants us to kind of fight, and, and, and it gets us to, to dig in a little bit. And so even if it's something that we're afraid of, we're going to go there and listen to the information so that we can be prepared. And at least if we're prepared, we have a fight chance. But Jesus didn't come to, to, to establish fear. Jesus didn't teach fear. In fact, he taught peace. And that was going to be his, his major focus. That is what the gospel is called, the gospel of peace. He is the prince of peace. One of my favorite, favorite hymns we sang uh, several weeks ago, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It says, the prince of darkness grim, but we tremble not for him. So we, we, don't, we don't have to tremble for the prince of darkness because his dominion is limited. His power is only what has been given to him. Is only, he can only operate within what God has decided he can operate in. God is in control. So in your life, in, in, the, in the world that you live on a day-by-day -day basis, where, where are the fears that have crept in and are controlling how you live? Where are the fears that have crept in and, and are, are helping you make decisions based on fear instead of peace? Fear instead of assurance that God is in control. I think we do this in our relationships, and as we go through our relationships, we kind of we treat our relationships with fear, and, and we, we, we treat some of our relationships basically with, with kid gloves so that we, you know, we don't want to we don't want to get too close to somebody or we don't want to know somebody too well so that if something happens, if something goes wrong, then, 
then, you know, then we've protected ourselves. And so at the same time, we also have protected ourselves from being known and building true, deep, lasting relationships with someone. And I think we let fear drive us when it comes to our finances. And some of us are always worried about, you know, what happens if we run out of money? And I know we've been through that as a family that right before I came here, we had, I had been unemployed for five and a half, six months, and we were coming out of that, that fear-based thinking when it came to our finances that we were literally running out of money. But just as I have testified and have continued and will continue to testify, God provided just what we needed at just the right time. God has the power. His timing is always perfect. So I don't know, maybe, maybe you're wrestling with fear when it comes to, our, to your finances and, and say, well, I, just, I think if I can just control it, just a little, if I can save up just a little bit more, if I can get just a little bit more cushion, or if I can make this investment or that investment or whatever it is that, that you're wrestling with, maybe fear is the thing that is controlling you there and not faith and peace. But God doesn't want us to live by fear. God wants, to follow, wants us to follow the example of Jesus and live in peace. Verse 36. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. As we said last week, Jesus always shared the truth and he never shied away from it. Jesus always said what the Father had given him to say. Jesus always communicated the truth, even, even though it would cost him his life, even though it would cost him his popularity, even though it would cost him what we would consider everything, he still shared the truth. And here at the beginning of his ministry, we see what happened when he was teaching this truth is that people were amazed. They were amazed by the truth. What words these are, with authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. Jesus communicated the truth with authority and power. By the way, I want to point out that Jesus did not just speak the truth, but he also followed up on the truth with action. That he wasn't just going to go around and preach the truth, but that he was going to exemplify the truth as well. He, he said that this was going to be my ministry, to go out and set the oppressed free, but he didn't just say that that was going to be his ministry. He would actually go out and do that as his ministry and set the people free. Jesus was faithful, not just in word, but in action. And the result of this, the result of Jesus' faithfulness and in, 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 in being who he was sent to be and being who God sent him to be from, from the time he was born through the time that he ascended, that Jesus was sent to be this person, this truth, this embodiment of truth. This was exactly who Christ needed to be so that we could have the example. And because he did that, the news, the good news that he came to preach would start to spread throughout the surrounding area. 
In fact, the news was spread in advance of him, and he would go, and people would have heard about him before he came to some of their towns. The good news about Jesus spread throughout the surrounding areas. I think we can learn from that, that when we live our lives according to the truth, when we not only teach and share and speak the truth, but we live out the truth, that the reputation of Christ can actually precede us in some relationships. Some of us might see that as a bad thing. Here comes that Jesus guy, the guy that's always talking about Jesus. The guy's always talking about how God loves me. Is he going to talk to me? Is he going to tell me today God loves me again? Is that, is that, do I have to endure another God loves me talk? But Jesus was being faithful to who he was sent to be. Jesus, as a young boy, knew exactly who he was supposed to be, and he lived out that mission perfectly to his dying breath. And because of that, the good news would spread. 